Come on now. Come on. Come on. I'm just, I'm just led to believe this morning that there's somebody out there who is so excited because they've been validated by this song and you know that God knows your name. He knows exactly who you are. We don't have a hey you kind of God. We got a God who will call you by your whole name. Not like you're in trouble, but like he's got a blessing for you. He knows everything there ever was to know about you. He knows the good and he knows the bad and he loves you in spite of yourself. He knows your name. I'm so glad that he knows my name because I got a brother and sometimes we talk and our voices sound alike. So at night when I'm in my dark space and I call out, I'm glad he knows it's Andre and he knows my name. There's some times when I say and do some things that I re maybe regret later. Maybe I wish that I hadn't done it or said it, but I'm so glad that not only does he know my name, he knows me. He understands who I am. And he'll allow me to ask him for forgiveness. Why? Because he knows me. He walks with me. He talks with me. And he tells me oh, yeah. I'm his own. Somebody at home today needs to know that. You need to be reassured that you might be in that room by yourself, but he's there with you. And he knows your name. He loves you. He's taking care of your circumstances. It's already done. Just, just ask, believe it. That's right. He walks with you. And he, and he, and he talks with you. Cut out all that noise. Turn the TV off. Sit by yourself. Turn the radio off and listen. He doesn't yell at you. Sometimes his methodology is strange to us because he gets our greatest attention with a still, quiet voice. But he lets us know that we are still his and our concerns are his concerns. He knows, he knows our name. Lord, we lift your name today in the righteous name of Jesus Christ and thank you for not just being a God who saves us, but a God who walks with us a God who talks with us, a God who deals with our infirmities and our problems, a God who touches not just us, but our surroundings and make them appropriate for each of us, Lord. Some people this morning woke up with their eyes crusted over from crying all night long, Lord. Be the one, Lord, who wipes the tears from their eyes. Some, Lord, woke up this morning not sure of what was going to happen today in terms of food or even shelter, Lord, validate their love for you by protecting them and keeping them, Lord. We thank you for another opportunity to come to this place in worship, Lord. We thank you for the resources and the people and the knowledge you've given us. But never ever, Lord, mistake the fact that even though you've given us all these things, what's most valuable is that you've given us you, Lord. And we thank you. We thank you for being our God. And we want to be your people. So bless now this word that I'm about to deliver. Help it to be edifying. Help it to be informative, Lord. And help it to be inspirational for those who are going to hear it. Lord, we thank you for all you've done. Nothing better than Jesus. 
has been given to us. It's in his name we pray and ask it all. Amen. 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 I hope you've been waiting. I hope you've been ready to hear a word from the Lord. He's been talking to me about what word I would deliver from, to you this morning. And I'm so glad that he's led me to what I think is going to be an interesting series for us, an informative series. We don't talk about women in the church enough. The Bible was written by men. Much of the discussion involves activities about men. But the Bible is full of soldiers, warriors who are women who are on the battlefield for the Lord. And so we thought it would be best, the Lord and I, that we would come to you and talk to you today and for the next few weeks on a series entitled Women of the Bible. And we want to lift up some examples of some Shona righteous women. Some, at first, might not appear to have been so righteous. Some might have some storied backgrounds. Some might even have been not on your pick list for righteous women in the Bible. But there's a story and a lesson from each of the lives we'll talk about. Today we want to start in that series with one who I guarantee you would not have shown up on anybody's draft list if there was a draft of the most righteous women in the Bible, this woman would not have shown up. In fact, she wouldn't have even been considered worthy of being on the list. Today I want to talk to you about Rahab. I don't know if you know about Rahab, but Rahab is a woman who we can learn a whole lot from. A whole lot from. And as we talk about Rahab, I want to use this as a central thought. Maybe you can identify in some respects, maybe not with her life, but with her story. I want to use this as a central thought. She's not what she used to be. She's not what she used to be. In fact, you can say that about Rahab, but you can look in the mirror and if, you, if, you, if you're big enough and you're bad enough, point at yourself and say, I'm not what I used to be. Thank God I'm not what I used to be. But today, if you will, we're going, going to talk to you from Joshua, book of Joshua. Joshua of none, as the Bible refers to him, Moses' his right-hand man. Joshua chapter 2 is the chapter we are going to talk to you from. Joshua chapter 2. The story there is recorded. The chapter is, we want to talk about the whole chapter. We want to use the whole chapter. And I'm not going to belabor the reading of the whole chapter this morning. I do want to lift up a couple of verses out of it that I think can underpin where we're going here. I want to start at verse 2. Well, let's start at verse 1. Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Go look over the land, he said especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. The king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent his message to Rahab. Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because they have come to spy out the whole land. 
Verse 4 says, but the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. Verse 5, at dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, they left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch, catch up with them. And finally, verse 6, but she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax that she had laid out on the roof. Thus ends the reading of the scripture, but I've said to you before that I want us to use the whole, the whole chapter as our message foundation today. There was a man named Charlie who lived in one of the major cities here in the United States. Charlie, by any definition, would not have been considered a cultured man. He grew up rough and he lived rough. He did a lot of outdoors work and he was absolutely a man of the streets. But one day Charlie was walking down one of the downtown streets and he passed a shop, looked in the window and there sitting on a table was a vase, a vase. And for some reason, this man of the streets took a liking to that vase. And each day as he would pass the shop, he would look at that vase. One day, Alvin, he walked in and he purchased that vase. He didn't even really understand why. He just liked the vase. It drew him in. So he took it home and he had a little mantelpiece in his room. He took the vase and put it on the mantelpiece and he left it there for a couple of days before he started to realize that the surroundings of his mantelpiece didn't fit the vase. He, he, he realized that in order for his vase to get the recognition that it needed, he was going to have to paint around his mantelpiece. And so here's Charlie, this uncultured man. Now he's painting his wall so it can fit the vase that he put up. And then he realized, too, that the curtains were kind of shabby and they didn't fit around the vase either. And so before long, he was changing the curtains out. And, and, and as you would know, Karen, he started looking at the furniture and said, this furniture is not good enough to be in a room like this with a vase like that. And before you know it, Charlie has saved enough money to change out the sofa in his room and the chairs. And and before you know it, the whole room had been changed simply because he identified a vase and put it on the altar in his house. Can I tell you that your life can change too, depending on who you put on the altar of your heart. If you put someone in there, watch how your life starts changing, depending on how you put on who you put on the altar of your heart. I say if you put Jesus in there, watch how the rest of your life starts getting cleaned up just to fit the fact that you have Jesus in place. The story that I read to you in scripture about this woman is in fact about a woman who's a prostitute. Don't mistake that. That's important to this story. The narrative of the story is essential, 
it's essential that you understand that she was what she was. She was a prostitute. She lived that lifestyle. But can I tell you this? You need to know that Rahab, Rahab, the one who lived her life like this, Rahab changed how she thought about life. You need to know early on in her life, Rahab was lost. And I bet if I go out and I find enough Christians, I can poll them, and one by one they'll tell me, I know when I was younger I was lost. Some of them not so young, and they were still lost. But I was lost, yeah. Not only was I lost, I was lost and living in sin. I was living in open sin. I was doing what I was doing. And to be honest with you, most days when I got up, I wasn't even ashamed of what I was doing. In fact, I thought I was living my best life. I thought I was living the way I was supposed to be living. I didn't understand that I was wrong. I was a sinner and I was dead to my spiritual life. Didn't matter the fact that my mama got up and went to church every Sunday. Didn't matter that my folk were always talking about the things of God. At that time, I just didn't have ears to hear, nor did I have eyes to see. That's Rahab. Rahab was living that lifestyle. Now, let me say this to you. I don't, in this sermon, I don't make any negative statements about women who are in the sex trade movement. I realize some of them have been forced there. I realize that there is forced prostitution right now. I also realize and deal with it on a regular basis, the heavy toll sex trafficking takes in our community. I also realize that it takes two to tango, and you can't solve the sex trafficking business by just dealing with those who are selling the sex. It's also gotta be those who are buying the sex. So there are two ways to look at this. Today, I'm talking about Rahab, who either was a victim early on of something done to her, but she decided to start volunteering to make that her life's work. And apparently she became pretty good at it because she owned her own brothel. She had her own place. It was known in the community that that's where you went. You went to Rahab's house. And so the scripture says that Rahab's house was the destination for the two spies sent from the Israelites to spy out the promised land. Let me see if I can get you there historically. They've been in the desert for 40 years. It's now time that God is going to give them the promised land. But there is some land they first have to take. And one of the places in there they have to spy out is Jericho. They need to see what the mood is of the people because they know they have a huge battle coming, trying to take Jericho. And so Joshua secretly sends two of his best men into Jericho to see what the mood is, the pulse of the people. You know this story. He sends Joshua and Caleb. I mean, he sends Joshua and Caleb into, into the, the land to spy them out. And when they enter Caleb, when they enter Caleb, I'm sorry, I said Joshua a few minutes ago, but when Joshua and Caleb enter the land, guess what they discover? That they have already been spied out. And so they dip into one of the local establishments. They dip into one of the local establishments, and that local establishment is Rahab's house. And why do they go in there? Some people say, well, they went in there because they were men. And they went in there because they were away from their families. But no, they went in there for not immoral purposes, but for strategic purposes. 
Who initially would pay attention to two travelers who go into a brothel? It's not usually those who are going to catch somebody's attention. And so they go in, and while they are inside the house, someone in there must have recognized them, someone in there must have, have, have realized that they should not have been there, or maybe they realized that they weren't of the local community at any rate. They run and tell the king that they're in there. And while these two spies are in there, Rahab realizes that she's got to take action. Now, this is the same prostitute who's been making her money, who's dealing with men, strangers, people she'd not see again or wouldn't, wouldn't see formally again. And she decides she's got to take action. She's got to protect her business, one would think, so that nothing comes to her business interest. But that's not what's going on here. Why? Because she's not who she used to be. She's not the same woman she used to be. Something has happened to this woman who has been plying her trade for some 40 years now. She's had a presence in this community, but now things have changed. And because things have changed, she takes some decisive action. So this woman, Rahab, who was lost, who was a sinner, who was dead in her sins, not only was, that, was she dead in her sins, I need to tell you this, and you need to understand this, she was doomed. She didn't realize that God had already said that this city was going to be taken. This city was going to be destroyed if need to so that his people could come in and take control. And so Rahab's family was in trouble. She was in trouble, and she didn't know it. Somebody out there needs to understand this. If you haven't accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, you're living a doomed life as well. Because the Lord can come in at any time and say, it's done. I'm here. I'm back. And if you haven't accepted his salvation, then you're living a doomed life as well. So Rahab was lost defiled, dead, doomed sinner. But Rahab had done something interesting, Anthony. Rahab must have been a good listener. And so this woman who was lost was also a listener, and she had been learning while she's in that brothel. You can imagine that men come in and talk all the time. And they come in and they tell secrets and they tell stories about what's going on. Some men probably had come there to Jericho running from the wars that the Israelites were beating them up in. Some were probably running for safety from other people. At any rate, news had gotten out that these Israelites were being protected by somebody who was bigger than anybody that these Israelites were being protected by none other than the God himself. Look at what she said. In verse 9, she said to the spies when they said to her, we've been identified. We need some help. Can you help us? And she said to them in verse 9, I know. She said, we know. We've been hearing about this God who's been protecting you. Over 40 years since Israel had left Egypt. And the news about Egypt, I mean about Israel and their progress had been spreading all over the land. They had heard about this God who would open up the sea and let his folk walk through on water. They'd heard about a God who apparently was driving in boxcars full of food from heaven every day to feed his people. None of them had lost a step. None of them had lost a pound. None of them had lost any of their clothing. Somebody bigger than them had to be taking care of them. 
and all the folk in all the communities around town had heard about them. And interestingly, interestingly, it's amazing that these folk would lay the foundation for what was going to be God's final judgment on these people that he had brought out of Egypt. She had been, I said a minute ago that they had been there for 40 years, but they had been there for two years, waiting on the time to change. The story that comes out of these spies' report will be the one that will absolutely bring judgment on these people because they're not going to have the faith once Joshua and Caleb make it back into town to go in and take the land that God wants them to take. It's these two individuals who are going to bring the report back that says, we got enough to take this land, but before they can get out of the country that night, they need help from not a prostitute. No, no, of all the people in the community, why would you need help from someone who's living an immoral life like this? Why would you need help from somebody who doesn't care about herself, who doesn't care about her family? Why would you need help from them? Because she's not the same person she used to be. Like I said, she had listened and she had learned. We need to stop taking people for granted. We need to stop thinking that folk are always what they used to be. Because God can get in your life and change anybody. And Rahab is the proof that we have today that God can make new out of old any day he wants to. And so as they're waiting on the king's men to come and take them, we find out that not only had Rahab heard and learned, she had accepted the fact that God is the God of the universe. She'd accepted the fact that God is, in fact, in control of everything. How do we know that? Because in verse 9, she calls him Jehovah. She uses his covenant name. So we realize that he is the God. Not only that, in verse 11, she expresses, amazingly, she expresses faith in him. When she says, that uh, she identifies him as the God of heaven and of earth. In verse 12, she also expresses her faith. When she says that in God, when she expresses her faith in God, when she says that he's a witness to the pact she's about to enter into with these two spies, she tells them, she tells them quickly, she says, I'll take care of you, but I need you to remember when you come back to take care of me and my family, and God is our witness to this agreement. Yeah, she had listened, she had learned, because she had believed in the God who had changed her life. This prostitute, this woman who had lived so awful, is now on the front line of the spiritual movement for the God of heaven. People right now are sitting up in their place saying, I've been doing wrong for so long. I don't know that God can change me. Let me tell you today that if God can take this woman who had run this brothel for so long and use her on the front line for the salvation of his people, then there's nothing you can do that he can't save you from as well. There's nothing around here that he won't rescue you from. You haven't used enough. You haven't smoked enough. You haven't drank enough. You haven't done enough wrong. And look, 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 she's about to do something that most people would frown. She's about to lie for the cause. She's about to lie in the Bible. Anybody tell you ain't nobody lying in Scripture? That is not true in and of itself. There are people all over Scripture who are lying, but they're lying. One, one, one writer said, it's the lesser evil for a greater good. In other words, they're doing a bad thing for a good thing. 
Now, I can't tell you that it's right. I'm not trying to justify the lie she's about to tell to the king. All I can tell you is that it's recorded in scripture that she did, in fact, lie. Rahab not only listened and learned, but watch this. I love this, and you ought to take this home. She changed her life and her legacy. That's big. Somebody ought to be shouting on that. She changed her life on this side and her legacy for years to come. Look at this. I'm up on Sunday morning. It's May 3rd, 2020, and I am talking about a prostitute, an ex-prostitute named Rahab. That's how much she changed her legacy, that we're still talking about the good deeds that she performed even to this day. How she do it? Well, the story started out another way, you know that. But because she listened, because she learned, her destiny changed. She said, somebody ought to hear me when I say this, she could look up and say, thank God. I'm not what I used to be. Thank God. When you walk through that door, I'm not still the prostitute that I was, but I'm a believer, and because I'm a believer, I need to do some work for the kingdom. And so what she do? First of all, she labored for the kingdom. All right. One of the surest proofs we have that she had genuinely been converted, not only for her, but for you too, is that she involved herself in the work of the Lord. How does she do that? Well, she went and hid those spies. She took them to the roof of her house and she laid them on the bundles of flax so that when the king's God came looking for them, they would be hidden. Now, Rahab was lying. I told you that. But this is a lie that's going to benefit everybody. Not only that, watch this, and I want you to understand how much she had changed her life. The presence of the flax on her roof is a clear indication that her lifestyle had already started changing. Because flax was used to make linen. Watch this now. And if she had that much flax on her roof, it must have meant that she had opened some kind of tailoring shop in her home and was changing her lifestyle from being a prostitute to a productive citizen. Rahab had changed her life. Verse 6. Verse 6 tells us she hid the spies. And how do we know it? Because her legacy in Scripture changed. Not in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament. James chapter 2, verse 25, lifts Rahab up as one of the noteworthy people in Scripture. How is that? How is it that James, brother of God, lifts up a prostitute as having faith equal to that of Abraham? Y'all didn't hear me when I said that. Somebody, somebody dropped their toast when I said that. Abraham the patriarch of the Bible, is now being compared to a prostitute named Rahab in terms of faith. Abraham is now being listed as not only the father of our faith, but Rahab is being said to have had faith equal to that of Abraham, according to James. So not only was she laboring for the cause of the Lord, she was also apparently fulfilled in her love for God. How do I know that? Because Rahab is concerned not just about herself, not just living this lifestyle that's about her only. She's also worried about her family. And so the pact she made with the spies was that when you come back, 
and you take the land. Make sure you take care of all my family. And the agreement was, watch this, back to scripture. The agreement is, just like in the Passover, everybody in your house, who's in your house, who's under the protection of your house, will be saved. Now, the spies, tell them quickly, tell them quickly. If they're not in your house, it can be your mama, your brother, whoever else. If they're not in the house, there's nothing we can do for them. But if they're in the house, under the roof of safety, then we'll take care of them and no blood will be shed from them. So not only did she change her life, she also changed her legacy. She got a new reality. Why? Because she wasn't the woman she used to be. Because of her faith, not only was her life spared, you need to watch me on this, because of her faith, faith, not only was her family's life spared, because of her faith, she became part of the lineage of Jesus Christ. Watch me when I say this now. How does a prostitute show up in the ancestral line of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? How does her name, watch this now, she's not a Hebrew, she's pagan, she's a Canaanite, and yet her name shows up in the line of descendants for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. How does that happen? Well, the way that happens is this. She ended up being the great, great, the, the grandmother of Boaz in Scripture. Yes, Boaz, Bo, I'm sorry, the mother of Boaz. She, she ended up marrying a man named Salmon who was Boaz's father. Boaz, as you know in Scripture, is married to a woman we'll talk about this month, Ruth. And because of that, we know that Naomi and Ruth had a saga that we'll talk about, but this woman married into the family of those who would be in the line of Jesus Christ and thus found herself as one of the faith leaders, one of the family members of Jesus Christ himself. Now watch it, watch it. You never know how God is going to work things out for you. When you take all these verses together, when you take all these new things together, in Ruth 4 and 21, she married into the family, the family of the people of Israel, and that's how she was able to get, become a part of the covenant blessings of the, the Lord, a prostitute. She's not what she used to be. She got a new reality. She got a new set of relatives. Not only that, she got a new reputation. One man said this, and it remains true today, that if you want people to remember you from, for something other than that you used to do, ask the Lord to bless you long enough that all they remember you doing is good and not wrong. And that's the case for her right here. Even though the first part of her life was spent in, as Luke wrote, riotous living, can I tell you now, she lived long enough and well enough that that's not her legacy because she's not who she used to be. She's, she's mentioned more about helping the spies to ultimately take Jericho than ever being about, mentioned about being a prostitute. I wonder how many of you want to get in line like she did. First, you got to listen. First, you got to learn. First, you need to know that Jesus Christ is still available to save people. He didn't save her. No, she had faith in God, but God gave us someone 
who we can have faith in. And his name is Jesus Christ. And my Bible tells me that if you simply believe in him, my Bible tells me that no matter what you've done, he's able to forgive you of all unrighteousness and cleanse you and give you a new life and a new legacy. What's going to be the report of you 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now? Here we are now, thousands of years later, still talking about Rahab. Not in a negative way. She's not known as the best of all prostitutes. She's known as a faithful woman in this holy writ that's been given to us. She's listed in the hall, in the, in the hall of faith as one who loved the Lord. What's going to be your legacy? If you never accepted Jesus Christ, then now is the time for you to do so. Today is the day for you to accept his gift of salvation. Now is the time, right where you are. You don't have to run down this aisle because you can't, but you can bow your head where you are right now, and you can say, Lord, like this woman, I realize I too am a sinner. I realize I haven't lived like I should, and I've been convicted by my lifestyle and convinced that you are way to a new life for me. And I ask you now, Lord, to bless me as I walk into this new life. Help me please, Lord to be where you want me to be. Help me please, Lord, to walk in a new way of life. Help me, Lord, to create a new legacy of life in you. I ask it all in the matchless name of Jesus Christ. Amen.